Well, uh, good morning, everybody. If you want to grab a seat, lots of energy in the room today. Mention uh, burgers and Wally gets excited, right? He's like, I don't need to know anything else. Don't tell me about God. I just want to know where the burgers are. We're going to keep you hanging. You've got to stay to the very end, and then we'll tell you. Um, again, uh, welcome. There's, uh, I love lots of old faces I know, and there's new faces too. And if you are somehow found yourself here this morning... Um, we're really grateful to meet you and uh, trust that you'd uh, feel welcomed and enfolded here at Hillside. Try to be that kind of community where we uh, just gather around Jesus, around the good news of him, and believe uh, he's kind of worth centering our lives around. Amen? So uh, because of that, we, we get to dig into his word, and, 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 and we're going to do that today. But first of all, I just sensed most of you needed some encouragement today. So would you turn to your neighbor and just say, you look good. All right. I could see uh, that some of you married ones, just I could see sparks in that, you know, you haven't had that kind of spark in a while. Try this at home. You could do this. And online, I mean, just uh, look in the mirror and say, you look good. I mean, honestly. Uh, today I'm going to give just a shorter talk from Scripture, and we're going to be wrapping up our Think About It series, and then we're going to conclude with some interviews and updates and kind of some ways that you can engage in the Hillside family this fall. But I was remembered this, remembering this week one of my lifetime highlights, and I'm, I'm serious, uh, one of the best things I've ever done. Uh, back in 2018, some of you would remember, uh, you sent me away on a sabbatical, and uh, I got a chance to go to the Camino which, anyone know what the Camino is? It's, a, it's an 800-kilometer pilgrimage in Portugal, Spain, France. It has different routes depending on which way you take, but it has, uh, yeah, I'm supposed to be walking. That's me lying down. Um, this, is, this is actually the destination. The destination is the church, a cathedral in Santiago de Compostela, uh, a, a church where they believe they have the remains of the Apostle St. James. And so people travel from all over the world, and they've been doing so for 1,700 years. It's the oldest Christ Christian pilgrimage in the world. And uh, people do it for all kinds of reasons. I, I did it um, largely to have time of solitude and silence and to pray and to kind of just connect with nature and those kind of things. Um, but I, I met all kinds of people who did this walk, and they were doing it for all kinds of reasons, a lot of them spiritual, a lot of them to, to just uh, deepen their faith. Or for some, didn't have any faith background at all. They were just hoping to figure life out. There were really some hard days on this trip. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell the one where um, I was so discouraged after walking 35 kilometers the day before, and then the next day I could barely walk, and I was, it was raining, and I'd gone the wrong way, and I had to backtrack, and... I am telling you the story, actually. <laughs> and my son, Noah, I actually ended up speed dialing him by mistake with my phone and uh, with my with messenger, and next thing you know, his face is on a screen, and uh, I, he's in Australia, by the way, at that time. And uh, he, I asked him, I said, I'm really having a bad day, and he prayed for me. And everything went better after he prayed, actually, so way to go, son. 
Um, but what I, uh, there were hard days. And on that trip, what I found as you bumped into all these different travelers and all these different pilgrims was there was this greeting that they would say. Ron, you would remember this. The simple word, buen camino. Buen camino. Simply means good camino. It's a Spanish phrase. Have a good walk, in other words. It's, it's a, a short blessing. And everyone said it. And I don't know, I, did, I, I walked 250 kilometers over 10 days, and I never got tired of hearing it, even though I heard it probably dozens of times a day. The passage we're looking at today is tucked away in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. And, and the book of Hebrews, I would suggest, is like a buen camino kind of word for followers of Jesus. Keep going. Don't quit. Walk well. You can do this. And I'd say it doesn't matter if you've been walking on the journey with Jesus for many, many years, or if you're a brand new sort of investigator of the way of Jesus, we all still need to hear this encouragement probably daily. And Hebrews chapter 10 says it so well. So if you've got a Bible or a, an app on your phone that has the Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And just uh, in respect for God's word, why don't we stand together as I read it to you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we, are, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, God, <laughs> if, if, maybe this is your um, buen camino to us this morning. Good walk. Like, have a good walk. I pray you would encourage us and might we be an encouragement to each other as we learn how to do this in this community, we pray. Lead us, we ask, by your spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat. There is um, so much good news packed into those seven verses, but we're really going to only hone in on one verse, verse 24. But what leads up to verse 24 is just dripping with promise, packed with promise. And those first four verses, verses urge us to do two things as a result of what Jesus has done for us. Two things. I think you're going to be able to remember this, okay? First, draw near to God. Draw near to God. You can move closer to God because Jesus has moved closer to us. You can move close to God because Jesus has moved close to you. Jesus, in what he did on the cross, he opened up the possibility of a, a free and unhindered relationship with the God of the universe. I mean, it's been said before that all of us have this 
kind of God-shaped hole within us, this desire, this need for something greater, and God makes himself known through Jesus, and we can know him. You can have this unhindered relationship, no guilt, no shame, your, your brokenness, your failures, your troubles, they don't define you anymore. You have free access to our loving Heavenly Father, who actually, by the way, is defined as perfect love. You get that. Isn't that good? Thank you. We are free to move close to God, and we should draw near to Him. Secondly, so first one, draw near to God. Let's say it together. You guys are good, good students. It is school season. Secondly, hold fast to hope. Uh, Verse 23 says, let's hold unswervingly, or let's hold fast to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I love that little phrase. I saw it in a tattoo this week. Do we have a picture of that? Hold fast. The idea of holding fast, not letting go. You could do worse tattoos, by the way, if you wanted to. That would be a, a, a decent one, I think. You can actually make a a case that a big part of what we're about as a a community together is holding fast together the hope that we have in God. That's a big big part. We can put that on our sign. We hold fast. We're holding on to the hope that we have in Jesus. I, I ran into one of our members this week at the grocery store and this friend uh, had been discouraged recently because it just seemed like every calamity that could happen kind of came his way. And as we just chatted on the doorstep, um, he, he said, you know, sometimes it just feels like the devil <laughs> has a target for me, right? Anybody relate to that? You, got, you, you have those moments, you have those months, those weeks, those seasons, right? Their life's just so tough, you feel like you're, there's a bullseye on you, somebody's out to get you. And sometimes somebody is out to get you. <laughs> And I don't know what I said to my friend, but I said something along the lines of hold fast. Don't quit. Keep walking. Because we have hope. (laughs) We have hope, folks. Beyond hope for for today and tomorrow and great hope for tomorrow. Right? Our, Our troubles today don't define our futures. Amen? Isn't that good news? We have a hope and we can do that for each other when we're going through tough stuff is we can actually say this to one another. Hold fast. Don't quit. I feel like I have a weekly conversation with somebody where I tell them, don't quit, don't give up. God's got you. We can be that for each other. So two things so far. First was draw near to God. I saw Eleanor get it. Say it it loud, everybody. And then the second one is hold fast to hope. Hold fast to hope. Okay, you got it. Turn to your neighbor and just say, hold fast, God is faithful. All right. Well, then we get to verse 24, which is the think about it verse. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, this, is, this verse is actually a simple call to do what God calls all followers of Jesus to do. We're called to love, right? Primary thing. And we're called to be engaged in doing good deeds. I mean, Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. And then John reminds us in 1 John 3 that love actually needs to go beyond mere words. It's not just I love you. It's got to come dressed in work clothes. 
He says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Not good? You see, real love will express itself in good works towards one another. When, when, when God saved you, when God saves us from our, our sin, he saves us from all that would ruin us. But he also saves us with a purpose in mind. <laughs> you know, he saves us to produce in us good fruit, to make us whole. He saves us to do good deeds, which might look like being kind to others or being merciful or, or not judging but being understanding, to, to be witnesses of God's goodness and, and God's love or to be agents of reconciliation and, and, and justice in our world. Those are good deeds. I like how the Apostle Paul explains this to his friend Titus in a letter. He says, Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify us, to purify for himself a people that are his very own, who are eager to do what is good. Love it. Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, we are God's handiwork. Actually, let me pause there. Handiwork really means God's good deeds. We are God's good deeds. Like, so we think he's called us to do good deeds. God's done a good deed in us. And he says, we're God's handiwork or artwork or masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is why sometimes when you do a good deed, think helping an old lady across the street. That's, not the, that's like the definitive old, old, good deed of my childhood, sorry. But whatever good deed looks like for you, you, you do that good deed. You feel connected to something greater, don't you? Because you're actually connecting to your purpose in that moment. Like you're actually tying into something that's, that's rooted deep in you. Because you were made for it. When you do something you're made for, you actually feel at home in it. Right? Isn't that cool? So this is what this verse is calling us to do. To do love and good deeds. Sort of. Look again closely at verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 24 is actually a call for us to encourage one another on to love and good deeds. In other words, the emphasis of the text isn't so much you showing love and good deeds, even though that's a good thing. Rather, the emphasis on the t- in the text is you encouraging others towards love and good deeds. Do you see it? The main thought is this. Let us think about... How to spur one another on. Let's let's think about how we can encourage and bring others along in love. And bring them along in good deeds. I really like that word spur. (laughs) I I tend to think of that word positively, largely probably from this verse actually, because I've always loved this verse. But it's not always a positive word. I don't think it's a positive word for horses right? Think, you know, cowboy, cowgirl, digging sharp steel pointy things into their side to get them moving. Like, that does not sound fun. Makes me glad I'm not a horse. (laughs) Be thankful for what you can be thankful for, people. I mean, 
next gratitude exercise we do as a church. You can just, I'm not a horse, praise God. <laughs> Interesting, in the original Greek, this word is also used in the negative sense of provoking or irritating or rousing to anger. A great way to translate this word would be to provoke. Makes me think of an older cousin of mine. We used to play together as kids, seven, eight, nine, ten, that age range. And this kid had a gift of provoking me. Uh, and he did it with his words. He was, he, he was a tease, but he also did it with just physical, like poking. He would poke me, poke me, poke me, poke me. And until I hit a breaking point, I would lose it, have some kind of temper tantrum, and I would be the one in trouble. <laughs> and I, I always felt it was justified because he provoked me. That's kind of how this word spur or provoke is usually used in Scripture. Like in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, where it says, love is not easily angered. It's not easily provoked. But in this context, the, the provoking is a good provoking. It's a provoking to love. It's a provoking to good works. This is the sort of provoking you do when you and your friend decide to, to work out together in the gym. <laughs> you say, I'll meet you there at, at 6 a.m., and when the alarm goes off at 5 a.m., you know, the last thing you want to do in that moment is get out of bed, right? But what do you do in that moment? You think of your friend who's going to be there at 6 a.m. waiting for you. Ironically, your friend's thinking the same thing about you. Neither of you want to do it. But you have provoked each other to this very good thing of working out and getting fit. It's really good. And this is our text this morning. We're, we're called to be those who provoke others to good things, to provoke people to the good life, to loving others well, to good works. We're meant to kind of offer one another this, I'd call it a positive push towards the right and the good. How do we do this? Well, the author of Hebrew says, you, you think about it. You think about it. God's given you a brain, a mind. You can actually think about this. It implies that we can get creative and inventive and innovative around provoking someone to good works, right? We can think about this. It's going to require some study, and not study of doctrine, more a study of people, actually, of our Christian family or our families. It's this ministry of encouragement that seems, in some senses, ought to happen organically as we do life together in close community. Friends, um, when this is an operation in a church, it has great power for good. When we're urging each other on, it can, act, it can happen so magically and it can multiply good across the world even. And it happens as we cultivate and grow relationship. It doesn't really happen apart for relationships. You don't urge someone, I mean, you can, I suppose, urge a stranger to do some good. But actually, you're going to have more opportunity the greater you get to know somebody and study somebody as, as you begin to see their strengths and their weaknesses. As you do life, especially, you know, I've found in, in our life group context, when you're, when you're doing, you know, week after week, you're getting together and you're praying for one another, you're, you're, you're discovering how they're wired, and you can kind of urge them on according to their particular bent according to how they're made. And, and it's not just spurring them on to be like you. you got to note this one, parents. You're not spurring your kids on to be just like you. 
You're spurring them on to do the kind of good God's called them specifically to do, which might look very different than how it looks for you. You know, this is how I became a pastor. Over a period of time, I had people in the churches that I grew up in kind of say, Derwin, I think you might be made for this. Or we see this in you. We see leadership in you. I think you, you might be a pastor. I, I had those kind of people who, who spoke that out to me, that maybe I should consider pastoring. On my bad days, I really blame them. On my good days, I feel deeply indebted to those who spurred me on. It actually struck me this week. What if those voices had been silent? What if those people had, hadn't called that out in me? You know, would I have found my way? Stones. <laughs> the stones would cry out. All right, I like it. Uh, maybe, maybe. But I don't know if I would have found my calling if somebody hadn't spoken to me and cheered me on and said, go for it. I grew up in a pastor's home, and I was very resistant to becoming a pastor. I needed a lot of voices to cheer me in this direction, people. But there was a lot of voices that were a major part of my way to finding my specific bent towards love and good deeds, what it looks like for me. Their words provoked me, and I might have missed out without it. Um, we do this in every aspect of our life as a community here at Hillside. We, we do it in our life groups. We do it in our ministry teams. We do it on Sunday mornings. Uh, us who are in leadership, we're, our eyes are wide open to the gifts that God has bountied this church with. He raised up so many people who have wonderful, diverse gifts that ought to be spread about in our community and to the world. It's, it's beautiful to see. We keep looking at the kind of story God is writing in each other. And then we call out that story. Sometimes it's uh, simply asking questions of one another. That's a way of getting to know someone. Ask them questions. What do you do? What do you love? <laughs> what makes you come alive? Those kind of things. Um, have you tried this or that? I, I think of Stephen and, and Jordan, who was up here this morning. Both of them grew up in our church, and... Uh, they are now these great young men. In the summer, both of them were part of our teaching, time, teaching team here on Sunday mornings. And I think it was the highlight of our summer here at Hillside, in my opinion. To have two of our own grow up and uh, to, to have them feel like they, they were equipped and ready to come up and give a word. And from their reports, both of them felt alive doing it. Can we give them a hand for them stepping out? What a gift and a privilege for us to actually notice that and to cheer them on and to be part of that, to spur them on to their loving good deeds. And I, I love the fact that Hillside's a safe place to actually do this in. It's like if we're not a grace-oriented community, it would be tough for anybody to try anything because we'd be looking for failure. We'd be looking for mistakes and calling that, that out. But instead, we're looking for the good and we're, we're celebrating it. We're fanning into flame and cheering them on. We can do this. We can help people step into their calling. It's powerful. And I, I want to say this. Maybe somebody has been doing good for a long time, maybe a lifetime. Maybe you're in your older years and you've, you've been doing good and, and actually you get to a place where you're weary in doing good. Anybody get weary in doing good occasionally? I see those hands. That happens, right? 
And so we also, I think, when we see those in our midst who are weary in doing well, we come alongside them and say, keep going. You've blessed me. I appreciate you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for what, what you've done. Thank you, kids workers, for how you blessed my kids. Thank you, youth workers, for how you blessed my teenagers. Thank you, life group leader, for nourishing me in the word and, and, and keeping me aligned with Jesus. Thank you, musicians, for, for leading us in worship on Sunday mornings. We do that. We, we, we want to be a, a culture of encouragement here at Hillside where those who are already doing good are encouraged to keep on going and not quit. Let me just uh, step out of church context for a moment and talk to parents and youth leaders and teachers and aunts and uncles. Part of being a parent or mentor is actually doing this for our kids. It's actually, actually kind of keeping our eyes open, spurring on our children and seeing the genius in them and, and actually encouraging them. By the way, parents, this is not so that you have the outcome of well-behaved kids. That's not their ultimate you know, goal for their life is be good behavior. It's actually more about them finding who they're made to be and them living freely in it. I think Angel and I, when we uh, got this assignment to be parents, part of that was to be a student of our kids and to watch them and to, to notice who God made them to be and to urge them on in it. And I honestly, I've loved that part of the parenting job discerning what God uniquely wired my boys to be, and then seeing them be that. And actually seeing not just that, but seeing them actually do that now for others. Because that's what happens. You spur somebody on, and they then spur somebody else on, and so on. Folks, that's how the world gets changed. We start doing this. Think of a multiplication movement where, where we begin to share our faith in such a real practical way that good news is what you're known for, and it spreads through our community. Isn't that good? We're provoking one another. I love it. And we uh, want to do that as a community, as I've said. This is what, I think, I think church is a great place to practice this. Um, I think about this a lot. This is, I feel like I, I, I've lived this scripture for many, many years, considering how I might spur you on to love and good deeds. And right now, we have all kinds of amazing opportunities in our community, and we'd love to, to see you engaged in love and good deeds here and then in the world. So instead of me just talking to you about all these opportunities, we're going to take some time, just hear some short stories from some of our leaders, and then I promise you, if you wait this out, you will get a burger after as a reward, okay? I'm going to bring up some of our leaders, and uh, first of all, where's Justin Van Hove? Justin Van Hove, where are you? Come on up here, Justin. Justin uh, is a wonderful guy, and he has been very, very involved in, in recent years in a couple of key ministries in our church. We want to talk to you about that. Justin, really? come on over. I'm going to give you this. Okay, thank you. Uh, Justin, tell us what you do. What, what's going on in your life? What do I do for work? Yeah, what do you do for oh, work? Oh, uh, I'm a school teacher. Most of you who know me already know that I do that. So I'm excited to go back to work. I'm also a little bit nervous and anxious, more than I'd like to admit. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Justin, you've been part of this church for, I don't know, how many years now? I was thinking about that the other day, somewhere around three to four years. But then there's a two-year period of time where I don't really have much of a memory <laughs> of what, what was going on. <laughs> Maybe you can relate to that a little bit. Uh, fantastic. 
Mm -hmm. um, we've had three different areas of ministry you've been involved in. I think of one, the Alpha course, which we're running this month mm -hmm. uh, coming up. Yeah. Tell, us, tell us about what you love about the Alpha course. Well, I didn't do Alpha three times because I was a failure as a student. By contrast, I have been involved in Alpha three times because uh, I liked it so much. Did it first time here, um, Bill invited me, and that was in person, and it was the full meal deal and dinner and dessert and everything else, and it was an amazing experience. And then two other times, I, I had the opportunity to do it um, in the digital world, online. That's fantastic. And, uh, whether you're a seasoned believer or a new Christian, look carefully because it has something to offer everyone. Yeah, Alpha's, Alpha's fantastic. And uh, it, it starts on September 21st, 10 weeks, nine weeks. Mm -hmm. And it's just phenomenally well put together. And uh, I'd actually look forward to being part of it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too, me too. It, it's like you're, never, you're not, never done with Alpha once you've done it. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you've actually been part of a life group. One of your alpha groups became a life group for a yeah. time. Yeah. What was good about that? Uh, the life group gives you a, lot, a bit more of an opportunity to get to know people, and then really do a deep dive into the Word and learn Scripture and uh, apply lessons to your life. And uh, kind of looking forward to meeting in person. Yeah. I think a lot of us, more than I'd like to admit, I got pretty zoomed out staring at the screen, and uh, we're looking forward to studying the Word in person. That's, that's awesome. And, and then the Segway. final, final uh, thing that he's been involved in this summer, we did kind of a pilot project on this, but uh, the, the Bible course. Mm -hmm. And it's put on by the Canadian Bible Society, and it's an eight-week video series. Yeah. Tell us uh, what you love about the Bible course. Well, it really helps me get the big picture Genesis to Revelation and puts it in a very organized way for I guess my mind someone who's really structured and then you can go into greater detail kind of on your own as a follow-up to the course um, I've often wondered okay what's the best way to study the Bible I think it's with the fellowship of other believers whether new Christians or otherwise and it kind of uses the format of um, I'll refer to my notes for this one because I don't have a perfect memory. What, so what, now what? Uses that format. It really helped me out. Uh, okay. yeah. So we're looking forward to doing the Bible course again with our small group. But our small group only has four people. Some people have moved. You know, changes in life have occurred. So we're looking to grow and maybe double our numbers. All right. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Justin. Um, can we give it just... And, uh, and Justin is actually stepping out from being just a participant in these things, and he, him and Saeed are actually going to be leading the Bible course this fall. And so, uh, Saeed, why don't you stand up where you are, uh, and then uh, let's just pause and pray for these guys. Lord, thank you uh, for the fact that uh, you've been doing such a work in these men, and now um, they're going to be passing it on. They're, they're going to be considering how they might actually influence others in this. And so would you bless them in this good work, and we, uh, we're grateful for them. Bless them, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give them another hand, shall we? Thanks, Justin. Um, Pastor Bill, come on up here.
Now, Pastor Bill is our pastor of life groups, and Bill, I know you are a big believer in the, the magic of life groups. Tell us why. What you just saw. Yeah. What you just saw. Um, see, uh, people uh, grow in their faith and they say, hey, I want to be able to actually do something uh, and care for others. So I uh, see Saeed, I want to be able to also recognize Stephen uh, Forsyth, who's going to be joining that, for, and also Nairoshi, uh, who's not is she here this morning. Uh, she's going to be part of that group as well. So we have really four strong folks that are going to be taking on the Bible course, and that's going to be one of the, one of the, the pieces of the life group. And um, so people, if people want to get involved, we have life groups that meet, those largely meet in homes. Yes, that's correct. And then on, on starting on the 21st, we've 21st, got... 21st, we've got some, this place is going to be happening. So we've got three different groups that are going to happen on, on the uh, 21st starting. We're going to have Alpha. You've heard about Alpha. We're going to have, uh, and we're going to have the Freedom, uh, the, sorry, the, the uh, Bible course, and we're going to also have Introduction to Life group. So folks, if you're out there and you're saying, what's Life Groups about? We've got an introduction, and actually, spoiler alert, it's the Alpha Course. But don't tell anybody that, okay? Because <laughs> you might, you know, might surprise them, but actually, we're bringing those together. So what's gonna happen on, an, on the Alpha Course is that we're gonna have both the people who are interested in Life Groups and people who are actually interested in faith, wanting to know more about the Christian faith in the same group. Okay. It's gonna be an exciting time. That's great. And you know what? We've got a tremendous team of hosts and, and uh, helpers to make this thing happen over the next nine weeks. Okay, yeah. so that's uh, 7 p.m. on uh, September 21st. 21st, right here, and we've and got different locations in the building that we're gonna be having. And, and apparently we've got a young adult group that's meeting in the same evening, and they might be offering something to the community too. Well, that's more to come mm -hmm. on that next week, mm -hmm. but yeah. uh, isn't that great? Th yeah. So thank you. What's the greatest need you have in our life group, small group ministry? Certainly, it's gonna be the uh, life group leaders. And what's really encouraging, if you've seen this morning, this start of what you see with Justin and Saeed and Stephen and Nairoshi, that's, that's what we wanna see more of. And so what we are really needing is more life group leaders so that we can have groups that actually can leave the building and be out on their own and be able to be sustainable. That's great. So think, think folks, Sunday mornings, you can only get to meet people so much. In a life group context or in one of these courses, you get to go a little deeper and make friends and uh, get known. And uh, it's, it's magic. We believe in it here. So Amen. thanks. Can we give Pastor Bill? He does a lot of behind the scenes. Thank you, Thank you Bill. Thank you. Another, thing that, uh, another thing that Bill does is he actually heads up our Sunday hospitality ministry. And First of all, what does that all include, Bill, on well, Sunday morning? Well, that includes everything from what, who you meet at the front door to who you meet at the, the info center uh, to um, folks that come up for prayer ministry, uh, communion servers, anything behind the scenes that you think is going on, it's happened because people are volunteering and we couldn't do it without them. And, so, and we've been, uh, since post-COVID, we've really changed how we do things. We actually don't have ushers anymore, but we still need those kind of people who are involved in these areas. You have lots, what, what are the greatest opportunities right now, would you say? I would say we have uh, needing some of the greeters. Like that's, a, that's a, a tremendous ministry. If you love people and you can actually authentically smile at them at nine o'clock in the morning and say, welcome, 
come and see us. We want to see, we, we'd love to see you. But there's other things as well. We've got uh, a prayer ministry. Uh, this is an area that we really, we, every week we ask for folks to, uh, we, we say, well, there's prayer ministry at the end of the service. We want more folks to be able to pray for others. And I think that's another need that we can definitely uh, Bill, use. tell us about refreshments. Last week it got announced mistakenly that there'd be coffee after every service. And apparently that's not happening. Why is it not happening? Because we don't have enough people to serve. So actually, we, we actually uh, have not relaunched our, you know, our refreshment teams. Uh, and so we're going to need people to sign up for that. And so we'll, we'll have an opportunity for that. If you'd like to be involved in helping serve refreshments after either of our services, we'll start, we'll start that up again as we have people who volunteer. Sound and I okay? want to say this, that this whole uh, ministry of hospitality, we've been given a gift by the name of Lynn Bourne. You know that? Yeah. Lynn Bourne. Uh, that has um, been able to just make it happen. I could not do, I could not do my job unless I had someone like Lynn to be able to help, just to to navigate and just make it happen. And with a cheerful smile, uh, a warm handshake or a hug, those are the things that Lynn brings, and that's the kind yeah. of culture we want to build in this church. Yeah, that's right. That's great. Okay, so um, let's pause. We got just two more people coming up, and we're going to pray for Bill before we go, okay? Lord, thank you for Bill who serves us in these areas, especially in life groups and forming alpha groups and those kind of things. God, bless him in that, Father. We pray uh, you might raise up new leaders to lead groups, and uh, we'd find this ministry multiplying in the days ahead. And Father, we also want to pray for this ministry of hospitality, the kind of the welcome that we want to express on Sunday mornings. Would you... Um, Help us as a church set a really great table for guests and for each other, that this might be the kind of environment when you walk in, you feel like you've come home. I pray that, Lord, I uh, ask that you would just help us grow that. Um, we know, know that uh, we just need many, many hands involved, and so I pray, put it on our hearts, Lord, if there's a way we can serve in that, you'd lead us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, Kevin and uh, Marnie, come on up here. Like, run on up. Run like, so, now I'm embarrassed. she wins. Uh, Marnie is our children's ministry coordinator and has been doing so forever, as long as we can remember. Isn't that great? I don't know anybody who loves kids like Marnie loves kids. Marnie loves kids. And Kevin has been our youth pastor for about three and a half years, three years, just up beyond that. And uh, he is an amazing youth pastor. We were so blessed. What a great team. We don't want to burn the burgers. And so I'm going to ask you this uh, to be just really, tell me real quickly. How I'm celebrating. How, what are you celebrating about children's ministry right now? I wrote four points. So give, okay. us, give us your top two. Uh, top two. Oh. Okay, go okay. for it. Let's hear them all four. Just yeah, rapid okay. fire. Okay, I'll ramble real quick. Uh, kids are back. Numbers have increased. Woo! So we can now split into two groups. Two groups means more volunteers. We have, we're stretching it. So if you can help out, because two groups times two services, that means I need eight every day, every Sunday. So, and they're doing once a month. 32 people I need on my group. So, hey, if you can help, that would be awesome. 
Um, we had a team of 32 people. Let's pray for 32 leaders. Amen? Woo, yeah. 32. All right. Okay. Number two, kids' night out. Well, it's also a parents' night out. We have been doing them more regularly last year and have a whole calendar full of events coming up. Looking forward to that. It's a huge community outreach. Everybody that comes brings at least one friend. And so, yeah, keep praying. It's genius. People are coming. Do you serve That's candy? Awesome. Do you serve candy at these things? Lots of food. Dinner every time. Because with the children, Love you know, it. they got to go home earlier. So if you want to get them for any playtime, you got to have them there for dinner, feed we them. We didn't then need the whole play, explanation. So. We just needed the candy, food. Food, yeah. candy, yes. It's excellent. Uh, another celebratory is all of my... Uh, volunteers we do have. Can you stand up real quick? Pop yeah, up. If you're volunteering in our Volunteering stand up, in Children's Mystery, stand up. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Woo. Um, and then part of that is this year I'm really excited. We've got at least six junior helpers, middle school, high school students who want to help with the kids. So they're serving young, and I'm very excited about that. Uh, yeah, and the last one is oh, spiritually kids they're loving Jesus and they're more comfortable praying out loud individually so excited even the preschoolers so my heart is full thank you I'm glad we didn't miss any of those I, we, I would have felt bad if we'd missed any of those those are great that's a tough act to follow but if you could do a rapid fire whatever you say well I'll be happier because burgers are waiting so just say anything we'll be happy we'll cheer won't we guys just cheer if he says anything I feel a little bit patronized, but that's fine. <laughs> you should. Yeah, okay. Um, now, youth ministry has been fantastic. It's uh, over the last couple of years, we've continued to see uh, youth grow, um, not just in numbers, but actually in their faith, and that is so exciting. I mean, the, the motto for youth ministry is that verse from Philippians, like, that I may know him, uh, and that is... It's been really exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's the highlight of my life, it feels like, to be able to, to see youth know Jesus more. And I know it's been the highlight for our leaders who get to be alongside that and be part of that. I think one thing that uh, tends to happen with youth ministry is we kind of, like, everybody can kind of be involved with kids' ministry and with other ministries, but youth just has to be young adults and teenagers because youth wouldn't relate to anybody outside of their age bracket, right? Um, but there are no, every person in this room uh, there are ways for you to be involved and support our youth ministry. Um, we've, I think we've got some stuff set up downstairs, so you can come chat about that more. But uh, there's an interesting study a couple of years ago um, where they were just looking at, like, what, what does it look like to hold fast to the faith for youth and young adults? And interestingly, they found one of the most significant, like, the sole most significant factor about youth holding fast to the faith is relationships with people who are outside of their age bracket in the church, um, wow. in good, healthy relationships. Wow. So as one of the, the things that we get to do in youth ministry, we're not kicking all the youth out to do their own Christian thing. The youth aren't just the future of the church, but they're part of our church. Uh, so we'd love uh, for you to be involved, and, and you would love for you to be involved as well. So I'm just going to tell you that. Uh, so there's a bunch of different ways. I won't list them all here, but you can come talk to me about what wow. that might look like. Wow, that is awesome. That's so good. Um, Kevin also leads our, our worship and, and tech ministry, and there's always opportunities. We celebrate the fact that you ha we have gifted people. Uh, let's give a hand to our tech team right there this morning. 
That team is expanded because we have like sound techs. We have a live stream person that's on every Sunday doing the camera work and, and making sure it goes live. And uh, of course, our media person. And there's always opportunities to be involved in worship here at Hillside. Talk to, to Kevin. Uh, if you can sing, we might have a place for you. If you can't sing, we might not have a place for you. Um, no, we would. We'd just put you on a computer or something. We'd, we'd, find, a, uh, we'd find a place for you. Um, uh, can we pray for our next generation ministries? Just come close, guys. Uh, Jesus, uh, we celebrate what's happening in our kids' ministry and our youth ministry. And uh, we would pray you would continue to abundantly, profoundly, and extravagantly bless our kids and youth. They might find Jesus, and they, they might grow up to hold fast easily to the faith, even because of what, what they learned here in this community. Lord Jesus, bless our workers. Raise up new ones, we pray. I, I pray you'd continue to, to have us be a well-resourced church filled with people who are serving and doing good, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Appreciate you guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you. All right. Um, my sermon in a nutshell was three things. Draw near to God. Grace got it. Yeah. Draw near to God. Hold fast to hope. What's the last one? That was terrible, you guys. It's, uh, but I, I get it. We didn't really go over it loudly together. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's say that together. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. You can do that. May God give you grace to do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.